Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. Okay, so reading is from Mark chapter 9, verses 33 to 37 first. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me but the one who sent me. And then it's Mark 10, verses 13 to 16. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. Let me just pray for Steve as he comes up. Uh, Dear God, thank you for uh, today that we're able to uh, hear from you through Steve. I pray that you would be with him as he speaks your word and open up our hearts to receive. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen, wonderful, great to be with you, great to see so many of you. If you, uh, well, you've all been a child, and if you've been a parent, you'll know that children have this strange instinct of thinking parents know everything. And so they're constantly asking their parents questions and they expect an answer and are sort of slightly puzzled when mum or dad don't have an answer. You know, it's why is, the, why is the sky blue? Why is the grass green? Why do we have to go to work or you have to go to work? Uh, why did Russia invade Ukraine? Children ask those questions and they sort of look at you to go, well, what's the simple answer? And uh, as a parent, there's two options here. You can have a huge power ego trip and go, yeah, I know all the answers. And uh, that's one way. Or you can be hugely exposed and humbled uh, as well as you realize you don't have answers. And Annabelle, a number of years ago, said, Dad, how does wind work? Wind. Uh, So I was struggling away. And I thought, my my brother, Andrew, is a geography teacher. I'll get on FaceTime. He's in England. And uh, we'll have a little call with Uncle Andrew. So Uncle Andrew was warned that he was going to have to explain to his niece, Annabelle, how wind worked. And so when we got on FaceTime, he had this Lego set set up, this green background, a giraffe, and the red and, gri- and, and blue. And he explained that as hot air rises, and, and then it goes around and comes back, and it misses the giraffe, but the giraffe feels the wind as it goes up and down. It's all very clever, and Annabelle was glued to the screen. It was a masterclass. He's a teacher. He used a good, simple visual aid to explain his point. What visual aid would you use to make it incredibly clear to people what the kingdom of God is like. What would you pick? Jesus picks a child and says you can almost understand everything there is to know about the kingdom of God by looking at a child. They're going to tell you how you enter the kingdom of God, Mark 10, and they're going to tell you the way of life in the kingdom of God, Mark 9. So we're going to learn two things that children teach us about the kingdom of God The first is to enter the kingdom of God, you must renounce self-sufficiency. If you're not willing to renounce self-sufficiency, the kingdom's not for you. In fact, you'll never get in. You won't get it. If you think you have to earn it, you think you're good enough, you think you bring some credentials to it, you'll never get in. But if, like a child, you renounce your self-sufficiency, 
you'll discover you're right at the heart of the kingdom. And secondly, life in the kingdom of God means redefining what greatness is. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you need to understand that what the world says is great, what the world says is impressive, what the world says matters, is not what matters in the kingdom. It's the low, the lowly, the less fortunate, the humble, the servant. Now, to understand how dramatic Jesus, and and Matthew's already talked about this, uh, we have to see how radical his teaching was in the first century world where children, as Matthew said, had no rights. So the famous feeding of the 5,000, which is the only miracle that's told in all four Gospels, uh, it says the number uh, of those that ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. And W. Strange, in his superb book, Children in the Early Church, says, not counting the children was a good summary of first century world. You just don't count them. There was a tendency in the ancient world to overlook children. He goes on to say, in a society where slavery was an unquestioned reality, the exploitation and abuse of children was simply part of the wider exploitation of human beings of all ages. Parents clearly loved their children, but financial necessity might drive them to expose them to die. I'm reading more Roman history than I've ever read, and this is a practice in the Roman world. Parents wanted the best for their children, but because they thought of children as animals to be tamed from Aristotle, their methods of bringing them up were often harsh. So the status of children in the ancient world when Jesus gives his teaching, they were treated harshly, they were overlooked, they didn't have any rights, they were footnotes, and there were children in the historical records. But as is so often the case, Jesus turns the world's mindset on its head and says, what you think is just a footnote is right at the heart of my kingdom. An old commentator put it like this, Jesus was, the first, uh, was one of the first ever to see how essentially precious any person is, particularly a, a young child. A concern for children did not, was not invented with the welfare state. It went back to the teaching of Jesus. When Jesus said, Bring the children to me. No one, in the, no one had ever said that in the history of the world. He was the first one to say they're right at the heart of what it means to be human. This was puzzling to the disciples. The disciples had adopted the world's mindset, so they're like, oh, we must get them away. Let's not get them too close. And Jesus said, no. The book of Proverbs, which you've just had read to us, said parents, ch- children should learn from parents. Here, Jesus says adults should learn from children. So the first thing we should learn is how to enter the kingdom of God, which means renouncing self-sufficiency. Verse 15, truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. The kingdom of God is the place where God rules, where God's in charge. It's not a geographical area like the United Kingdom. It's the realm where God rules. It's the place where God rules in the human heart, where God is king. The disciples, again, with a worldly mindset, thought when God comes as king in this world, he's going to kick out the Romans who are in charge of Jerusalem. He's going to establish a a political kingdom on earth with military force. And Jesus said, no, 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 my kingdom's not like that. Again, that's worldly. My kingdom's about whether I rule in your heart. Earlier, Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. No one can really see it. It starts so small, and yet it grows, and it grows, and it grows, and indiscernibly, it grows into something very large. The kingdom of God, Jesus says, now is hidden. It seems pathetic in the world's eyes. 
values all the things the world thinks are strange, requires suffering, denying yourself, and death. Right now, the kingdom of God is hidden. It's, you, you wouldn't ever think of it as anything dramatic in this world. It's like a mustard seed, a bit of yeast that goes through the whole dough. But one day, the kingdom will be revealed in power and glory, and every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess to the king of kings, and all the earthly kingdoms will fall, and one kingdom will remain. But the disciples wanted the blaze of glory now. We want the kingdom to come in such a way that it solves all my felt needs, deals with all the hassles. Would you come now and deal with it all? And Jesus says, no, it comes in a hidden way first. Then it will come in a revealed way. It comes suffering first. Then it will be glory. The values of the kingdom are so different from the values of the world. And so Jesus says, look at a child, they'll teach you. The kingdom is for the weak, for the fragile, for the have-nots, for the disregarded, for the vulnerable, for those who have no social clout. Most people won't see the kingdom because most people aren't looking at those people as very important, but God's got his eye on those people and they're right at the heart of the kingdom. And if you walk in strutting your stuff like the disciples, well, I'm good, I've got this, you probably find you're not in. Whereas if you look at those that are despised and have got nothing, they're probably going to find their way in because they're humble. The first will be last, the greatest is the lowest, the master is the servant. And so we must receive the kingdom like a child. Now, I remember many, I, I used to, and I kind of just said it, and maybe get unhelpfully a minute ago, I used to think, well, children are a great example of what it means to, uh, to, 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 to inherit the kingdom of God because you have to be humble. But no child is humble. Have you ever met a humble child? No, seriously, they're always boasting. They're always trying to find their place in the pecking order. They're always saying, look what I did. No child's going, oh, no, no, don't worry about me. You know, look, focus on them. You know? no, no child does that. They're like, me, me, me. So the issue is not that children are actually a model of humility. They are models of being in a humble status in society. It's a difference. They're constantly boasting, constantly trying to find their place above their friends in the pecking order. It's not about humility. It's about being in a humble status within the society they found themselves in. So one commentator says, the point of comparison is not so much the innocence, because they're not innocent, they're full of wickedness. When you have children, you'll find out. It's not so much innocence. I'm a loving parent, okay? I'm just real. The point of the comparison is not so much the innocence and humility of children, for children are, uh, are not invariably either innocent or humble. It is rather the fact that children are unselfconscious, receptive, and content to be dependent on others' care and bounty. It is such a spirit that the kingdom must be received. It is a gift of God and not an achievement on the part of man. It must simply be accepted in as much as it can never be deserved. So they're not humble, but they have a humble position, and they did in Jesus' day, a lowly position. They couldn't provide for themselves. They had to depend on others. And Jesus says, that's what the kingdom's like. You cannot get in through your own efforts. You can't provide for yourself. You must receive it as a gift. Every day, my children, and they're now you know, nearly teen, well, one is a teenager, the other soon will be, still expect me to provide for them. If they have a bad dream when they were growing up, if they cut themselves, if they get hungry, they come to mum or dad to provide. Jesus is saying that the, uh, that, that childlike behavior of complete dependence on your heavenly father 
is a prerequisite for the kingdom of God. When you need something, your first response is, where's the king? Where is my father? Children are naturally trusting. They trust that you will not neglect them. Ethan, today, is a six-week-old, has no agency. He's completely dependent. Even to be brought to the front, he can't do that. That is what it's like in the kingdom. You have no agency to say, I got in because I contributed something. Children don't have lots of options. They have no means of providing for themselves. They're dependent on the adults. But they also exhibit, and Ethan did this now, just crying and needing to be taken to the back, just an expectation of provision. And therefore, they have no worries in this world. Children don't worry when they're very young. They're not anxious about tomorrow. They live for today because they think someone else is taking care of them. They've given up. Well, they don't even know they have to give up any sense of I've got to prove myself and provide for myself. And because they trust and they do not worry, one of the marks of children is they're always giving thanks for such wonderful things in life that we stop giving thanks for. Toys, dogs, clouds, the friend next door, shoes. Children see life as a gift and they're always giving thanks because they realize everything is a gift or that's their disposition. You know, the next story in Mark's gospel, which we're not going to look at, is a man, well, he's known as the rich young ruler. He's the opposite of the children, isn't he? He's got status, he's got power, he's got money, he's got agency in this world, and he thought, well, he was self-sufficient, I can get in, uh, and he's been pretty moral, but he wasn't willing to receive salvation as a gift. And that's what often money does. Money of all the things in this world can make you feel, I'm self-sufficient, I've got control. Because money can solve so many material and practical needs. People talk about, oh, I'm just going to throw money at it to solve the problem. In the world's eyes and in the disciples' eyes, this rich young ruler was one that God would want in his kingdom. But he was proud. He wouldn't renounce his self-sufficiency. Many years ago, when we launched this congregation, well, we launched the, the, the church in this, in this building, I invited a friend from the tech company I worked for at the time. And we'd had lots of conversations about faith, and she was doing lots of spiritual things and going off to Kerry to do yoga and things like this. And uh, she, she said, I'm really keen to see how you practice your spirituality. So she came, and she loved the songs, and she loved the community, and she loved the atmosphere. And she said, I just felt it was really spiritual, Steve. But I thought, oh, no. She says, Steve, I don't like the idea that you cannot do it on your own and Jesus needs to help us. I think humans are strong enough to do it by ourselves. I asked her why and she said, well, I've worked hard all my life. Look what all I... And she'd had setbacks in her life and she'd overcome them. And she'd had obstacles that she'd come over. And she said, well, that's just a defeatist attitude to say you can't do it and Jesus has to do it. And in the service, Vanessa had shared her testimony of saying, I couldn't do it. And Jesus had to do it for me. You see, my friend at work was not willing to renounce self-sufficiency. I don't want to have to say, I'm not good enough. And Jesus has to do it for me. Jesus says, you'll never be able to enter the kingdom if you don't become like a child and realize you're 100% dependent on God for your life, for your next breath, for your health, for your strength. All the achievements were because he enabled you or your gifts because you were born with them or had a family that he put you in that enabled you to nurture them. Your money in your bank account is a gift. Everything, and most of all, your salvation. And if you cannot see that, 
If you cannot accept that, if you cannot renounce self-sufficiency, you'll never get in. That's the hardest thing about entering the kingdom of God. You have to give up your pride. It wounds the pride, doesn't it, to receive a gift that we cannot repay. You'll never enter the kingdom unless you can do that. Give up your pride. But if you do, and you give up your pride, your control, your self-sufficiency, you'll discover a joy, a lightness, an ease, a lack of concern, a contentment, a lack of comparison with others. Because now you're receiving everything as a gift from God. Matthew had a stintly an icebreaker. What was your fondest childhood memory? And often we think of those carefree days when we played sport or went on holiday. and We can't even remember what was happening. We just remember a great day. And Jesus said, that's life in the kingdom. When you give up trying to do it all yourself and striving and proving and controlling and just let Heavenly Father care for you. You'll laugh, you'll play, you'll explore, you'll taste, you'll see, you'll touch and then you'll enjoy life in my kingdom. How did the disciples respond to this challenge? Well, we're not sure, but the rich young ruler walked away. How will you respond? Some of you worry far too much because you haven't given up things that really matter and say, God, I just give this to you. And if I give you this thing that's so important, I'll stop worrying about it. Some of you are exhausted because you constantly feel like you have to keep proving yourself to all your peers and your family and keep climbing the ladder of the world puts on you instead of trusting your Father to provide the right path. And you could know a contentment and an ease. Some of you lack gratitude, always moaning, complaining. It's never good enough. Everyone else is, you know, you're the victim. And instead, you should learn to give up your self-sufficiency, give up your complaining, and trust your Father and see all the gifts he's given you. Stop trying to control your destiny and trust again in your heavenly Father. Now, before I finish... Let me think about the second time Jesus uses children in Mark's gospel. And it's not about how to enter the kingdom, but it links because it's now about life in the kingdom. An author called Philip Yancey helpfully distinguishes between childlike behavior, which is good, and childish behavior, which is not good. So Jesus is commending childlike behavior, but not childish behavior. And in the next passage, uh, he's looking at a context where the disciples were very childish. They were debating who was the greatest. They were seeking honor and power and glory. And Jesus takes the child into his arms and says, anyone who wants to be first must be, must be the last, verse 35, and the servant of all. He took a little child whom he had placed among them, taking the child in his arms. He said, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me not only, uh, does not welcome me only, but the one who sent me. The lesson here is not to, to enter the kingdom of God, you must renounce self-sufficiency. To live life in the kingdom of God, you must continually redefine what greatness is. It's not financial wealth. It's not personal performance. It's not being number one in your field. It's not climbing the ladder. It's not how much you know. It is not your title or your position of, uh, of whatever position you hold. True greatness is defined as servanthood. A servant means looking out for the least significant person in your midst, a child, and serving them. It's not putting to the side and go, you're awkward, you're hard, you're draining. You're... A servant says, how can I serve when someone needs practical help? It's easy to give financial aid, isn't it, to someone. That's one way of serving. 
Uh, but actually, Jesus says you must welcome them to get to know them, to embrace them, to include them in your community. When you come across a needy or an insignificant person, do you just give them some physical help and, and, and leave them alone, or do you welcome them and invite them and befriend them and get to know their name and treat them as an equal, give them dignity and honor? When you help someone, it's easy to stay as a, uh, a, a position above them. I'm the helper and you're the receiver. But when you welcome someone, you eat together. It's a symbol of equality. And so to drive this, home point, to drive this point home, Jesus brings up the staggering idea that children help us understand representational, ambassadorial authority. A king cannot visit every country in the world, so he sends ambassadors who represent him. And the country, therefore, must receive that ambassador as if they're receiving the king. The way you treat that ambassador is the, it represents how you are treating the king who sent them. Well, Jesus says, I've sent children to represent me. So whenever you receive a child in the name of Jesus, you're welcoming, you're welcoming the king himself and God the Father who sent him. What higher status could we put on children than that they represent King Jesus? Jesus is telling this squabbling, argumentative and proud group of disciples to put their childish and worldly attitudes to the side. They have chosen him as their king and therefore they need to redefine, uh, re re redefine their understanding of greatness. Very practically, friends, this means when someone walks into our congregation with lots of money, we don't treat them as any differently if, than someone who has no money. Someone who walks in here as a professional athlete, we don't treat them any different to someone who walks here who can't kick a ball or throw a ball or whatever. Someone who walks here has a great title in you know, some company, we don't treat them any differently to the person that's just starting out in a university degree. We treat everyone equally when we've understood this because we've redefined greatness. It's not what you look how great I am. No. Then we're still childish and we need to redefine greatness, not overlook the people that are, we might not click with, maybe not overlook people that we find harder work or draining. So Jesus wants to use children as a visual aid for the kingdom of God. He says to enter, and maybe some of you haven't entered because you've never given up your pride, admitted you're a sinner, admitted you've lived a life of rebellion against the God who made you, and you can't even... Even as I say that, something inside you goes, how dare he? Give it up. No rest. Stop striving. Enter. Through self, renouncing self-sufficiency, repentance and belief. Put your trust fully on Jesus. And for those of us that have entered the kingdom, but no life of anxiety and struggle and stress, we need to continually renounce self-sufficiency as part of the way we remain in the kingdom. And as we do that, We'll redefine greatness, redefine who we think is cool and who we want to hang around with, who builds our social credibility, who gives us an opportunity to climb the ladder of this world. And we'll say, no, we don't operate like that anymore. We're part of a different kingdom. So for those of you here today who have never made Jesus your king, I hope you understand that belonging to his kingdom is more than church attendance. It's more than trying to be good. It's more than taking part of Religious, religious rituals. It's a disposition of the heart where you accept your bankruptcy before God. There's nothing you can bring to the table that would make you worthwhile in his kingdom. 
but he pulls you in by grace and he adopts you into the family through the cost, of, well, through his son's sacrifice for you. For those of you that are followers of Jesus, let's keep remembering to put our childish behavior behind us where we think like the world, we squabble, we're like the disciples, we want power and glory, we look at people depending on how impressive they are to us. And let's not overlook those that the world gives no esteem to. Those that might drain our finances. The world says protect yourself. Make sure you surround yourself by, those, by, by people who will help you build your career. And Jesus says, no, that's not the way of the kingdom. Why would you do this? Why would we continually do this? We remember Jesus, the king, who gave it all up for us. He took the nature of a servant. He died on a cross. When we were spiritually bankrupt and cut off, he became helpless. He was pinned to a cross. He became a child. He became a servant. And he did that not just to throw a bit of salvation at us, but to welcome us as friends, to draw us close so we could know him. He gave up his self-sufficiency. He gave up his status and control. He gave up the glory and honor of heaven to give you an opportunity to inherit the kingdom of God. When you see him doing that for you, it continually changes your heart. You announce self-sufficiency and you'll redefine greatness. And as a church, we love the noise children bring to us. We're not going to be like the disciples and say, get them out. We're going to say, keep them in. They teach us. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for this opportunity to reflect on uh, how your son treated children when he was on earth and what children have to teach us as a visual aid. Lord, as I, as I preach this sermon, I know my heart is so often foul to the things that I've been encouraging on my friends here. Lord, help us to continually to renounce self-sufficiency, that we are not capable of going through this life by ourselves, but we need you to throw our whole trust on you, our creator, our, our maker, our sustainer, that everything we have is a gift, and to give thanks to you for all your good gifts. And I pray too that we'd redefine greatness in our church, that what matters to us in here would not be what matters to the world out there, but we would look to care for the lowly and the least esteemed and the awkward and the outsider and children, that they would always have a place in our midst. Forgive us, Lord, where we are like the disciples and we're squabbling for power and glory. Forgive us where we are living full of anxiety and, and stress and striving and exhaustion because we're thinking we can achieve something. And help us again now to receive the kingdom like a child. In Jesus' name, amen.